Hello and welcome to The Manifest Image, the podcast about art and the manifestos that have shaped its development. Each week, we bring you a discussion about a manifesto, its authors, and the art they made from the perspective of people as they read them at the time. And also, how we read them now as people. That's nice. You couldn't tell that you added that on at the end. No, it's so smooth, beautifully scripted. I'm Ariel De La Garza. And I'm Thomas Greengrass. Welcome. So this week, we are looking at two manifestos. War, the Only Hygiene of the World, from Le Futurisme in 1911 by F.T. Marinetti. And Multiplied Man and the Reign of the Machine, also from Le Futurisme 1911 by, you guessed it, F.T. Marinetti. So, let's move on to a reading. So the first one will be a reading from War, the Only Hygiene of the World. Anarchists, moreover, are content with attacking the political, legal and economic branches of the social tree. We want a great deal more. We want to tear up and burn its deepest roots, those which are planted in the very mind of man, and which are called a mania for order, desire for the least possible effort, fanatical adoration of the family, worry over fixed times for eating and sleeping, vile quietism, love for the old and the aged, for whatever is worn out or ill, horror in the face of the new, contempt for youth and rebellious minorities, the veneration of time and the years which have accumulated, of dead and moribund people, the instinct for laws, chains and obstacles, a horror of violence, the unknown and the new, a fear of total freedom. And now to move on to a reading from Multiple Man. We must prepare for the imminent and inevitable identification of man and motor, facilitating and perfecting a continual interchange of intuitions, rhythms, instincts and metallic disciplines that are absolutely unknown to the great majority of people today and are defined by only the most clear-sighted minds. Oof. Beautiful. You happy with that reading? Yes, very happy with that reading. Very well done. So, do we have a pithy summary? Oh, well, straight in. <clears throat> okay, excellent. <clears throat> so, this, this was the war, the only hygiene of the world. Pithy little summary. Futurism is not anarchism. <laughs> it's done. No, oh, wow, that was brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> that was Moving my on. No, <clears throat> We'll go a little bit further. We have a distinction between futurism is endless striving, whereas anarchism is coziness. <laughs> the anarchist domain, as I just read out there, is the political, legal, and economic, whereas futurism's is everywhere. Mm. That is its domain. The domain is all, the mind, including the very mind of persons. We have a development of all that is hated from that quote. Uh, at least 14... Uh, which were the, um, we want a great deal more, and that's where we had the first, a mania for order, two, desire for the least possible effort, uh, three, fanatical adoration of the family, etc., etc. See the beginning. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Student unions cut down. <laughs> that's my next pithy line. Uh, diagnosis and prescription. 
Anarchism is too lovely, too oh. like the moonlight. And then my second little pithy one for yes. Multiplied Man and the Reign of the Machine. Woman and beauty, no more. No more. Emphatic. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Uh, mechanical beauty. Yes, please. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, mechanics love of machine. They mm-hmm. love a machine. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. You could you to see them. Multiplied men. They're going to have no moral suffering, generosity, affect, or love. Human enhancement. Not his words. Mine. <laughs> uh, the picture of multiple man or the machine man. No education, and yet the multiple man. Mm-hmm. Uh, a terrible analogy, bad analogy. Forty bachelors are us. Mm-hmm. We were sure we mentioned in the last episode that we did where we were displeased with this analogy. Yes. Uh, love of animals. That's nice, isn't it? Uh, arts expounded. Don Juan and the cuck. Yep. Kill both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kill them both. Uh, death of woman roles. Death of the family. Love for reproduction. Hint of old age and impotence. And the fear and unlived life. Lust and sentiment as alcohol kill the moonlight. All right. You can see why these two have been linked Good. together, can't you? Yes, you can. Again, always ending with the kill the moonlight. They don't like it. That do seems they? to be the most the, the powerful through line uh, in futurism. Is that they don't like the moonlight. Mm. Ariel, so uh, for one million pounds, your question is, what is the most consistent... Imagery that the futurists employ. Your choices are the moonlight, the sunlight, or the running dog. Definitely the running dog. Um, Is that your final answer? Yes. I'm afraid you've lost one million pounds. It was the moonlight. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, I knew it's it. Tragic. I knew it. But let's move into war, the only hygiene of the world. Yes, please. So, of course... Did you like it? First of all, we always start off with, did you like it? Yeah, I mean... Reading. I I think for... Its its title had always uh, frightened me, I guess. Or rather, I was vaguely dreading its title as I would see it lingering around in our giant anthology. I mean, it's obviously a reference to the first manifesto. Right, I think it was the 14th declaration. Um, I think it... it, Or the 11th. Uh, I, I think it's point nine... Um, oh, I think it's the ninth. Then it's the ninth, yeah. Well, look, it's any one of those numbers or another one. So it's, but it's from those provocative one. You know, yes. War, the only hygiene of the world, and contempt for women, I think yeah. how it goes, the full way. Yeah, lovely. Um, and, no, not lovely. No, 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 but the, the fact lo- that we've oh, got see, these references. Thomas, it's, this is the fundamental, no, yeah. <laughs> What? I'm, I'm messing with you. No, Ariel's so, very tired today, you must forgive him. As are you. I am full of beans. I'm <laughs> <laughs> full of vim and vigor. <laughs> anyway, war, the only hygiene of the world. What I see here is obviously he's trying to separate himself from anarchism. And so far as he's doing that and not really talking about war that much. What gave you that idea? Is it the fact that the first line is literally. 
And now I am obliged to tell you what it is that clearly distinguishes futurism from anarchism. Tying in neatly with last week on politics. No, exactly. Uh, was it that that gave you that suggestion? <laughs> it was, in fact, that that gave me that suggestion. Are we both and then tired? The We're both tired, aren't subsequent, we? Subsequent, <laughs> like, just, yeah, we are. Just like the rest of the manifesto where he just talks about that. Is this going to be it, a facetious one? We're both going to be deeply irritated. Deeply irritated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I don't love it, uh, nor do I hate it. Um, again, I think when we start getting into the political stuff, I, I feel... I feel like like we verge ever closer to uh, some guys talking in a pub about politics, and I don't like that. But they wouldn't be talking in a pub. Okay, He's fine. He's an Italian living in fine, France. Fine, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. In a be- wine bar. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, in a wine bar. So there we go. What did you think? Do you like it? Yeah, it's all right. Isn't it? You did? It's all right. It's fine, it's fine. Uh, th- this one is not... As punchy as some of the other ones. There's a few. There's a few good lines. It's an interesting. Do you revolutionary? Do you revolutionary spirits still believe in the usefulness of meetings? Oh, I did like that bit. Yeah, that's good. In uh, fact, okay, I'm gonna. That's the that's the student unions cut down. Yeah, exactly. The end of it is is the best part for me. Yeah. Um, because that one is, again, a little bit exciting. A little bit exciting, and it feels feels a little bit prescient, and also, I I think we should, let's just get into it. Let's just get into this. Well, no, I mean, it's a very short one. Again, this is like Nevinson's uh, piece, which is, I mean, barely a side long. Last really. week's, yeah. Exactly, which we did last week. So it's super, super short. Um, and structurally, it's it's tight. It's actually tighter than Nevinson's piece. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's this very interesting... I, I mean, I read out this that one long... Uh, list at the beginning as part of it uh, which was the we want a great deal more we want to tear up and burn the, the mania for order blah blah and there's 14 uh, at least 14 I should say because he does this content for youth and rebellious minorities for whatever is worn out or ill and so you've got these kind of conjunctions that link it together mm-hmm. um, so it's at least 14 it's a long list but then he has a second long list where uh, there you detect an urgent, irresistible mania for, uh, in all those red souls, a desire for promptly to divest, blah, 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 another long list. So mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, centered on these two long lists at the heart of the text where you have this uh, very short introduction and a very short end, you know, barely, I don't know, about eight lines uh, uh, long at the beginning and barely eight lines at the end. Mm-hmm. And then the center is just these two long lists. Correct. So it is, it, it's got an interesting structure, mm-hmm. um, at least from a formal point of view. Um, and the list itself is very... I mean, because we've already been looking at futurism for a long time now. It does give us a little bit more context. Sure. Um, so we have these interesting lines of... We already knew about the... Uh, he's, he's not going to be keen on people who love the family. But also we then have worry over fixed times for eating and sleeping... Mm-hmm. And now there will be a fan manifesto. Well, in I think th- th- I was I years was, to come about but, uh, food. Oh yeah, he will do. And that's much later. Food, but, much later. Yeah. I, I was trying to get at this a little bit in last week's episode when we yeah. um, talked about the importance of technology. I guess we were talking about Nevinson speak um, mentioning that the 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 first sort of principle of futurism was to do with industrialization or yeah. a great industrial future. Yeah. 
And then and, brute force is second in command. Yeah, exactly. And although in many of the other manifestos, I guess to give them uh, narrative force, Marinetti will tend to emphasize energy. In that one, and in um, in, in in this one, he, he does talk about all, all of the, I guess, creature comforts or bizarre changes of life that happen with industrialization, and he gives it its due importance in the futurist architecture. No? Mm. But by and negation, by negation, by negation, because he's saying uh, but what's I mean, wrong but, uh, with by all negation, these things, or, but he not says, by negation, this is it's immaterial. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I mean. A bit like how Russell had all uh, Bertrand Russell. This is um, mm-hmm. had all these titles of why I am not a uh, Christian, why I am not a communist, mm-hmm. why this I am title, a bad historian. <laughs> this title may as why well I be why I am a terrible why friend. Why yeah. oh, why I slept with my buddy's wife? No, that's no. A, yeah no. Okay, so in case you're wondering, just to date it, we've just come back from Margate not long ago, um, and Thomas Stearns Eliot, T.S. Eliot, was in Margate, and um, at one time. Uh, uh, T.S. Eliot with his first wife Vivian um, met up with Russell who'd been his teacher uh, and had said yeah I'm struggling a little bit financially Russell invited him to live with him the other way around Eliot invites Russell to live with him no 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 oh the other way around no yeah no Russell invites Eliot to live with him and uh, uh, I've been telling that anecdote wrong all week okay yeah no it's wrong it's the other way around alright continue continue doesn't matter I still think he's a scoundrel yeah Uh no it wasn't necessarily immediate apparently the honeymoon was not very successful um, um, yeah, take that as you will. And, uh, yeah, no, he did have uh, something like a two-year affair with Vivian. Well, I mean, look, it's, it's obvious. Vivian two Elliot. years? Something like two years, yes. I thought it was a... I thought no, it was a, no. I thought it was a weekend tryst. No, it was two years. Oof. Sorry, that's, that's that one, yeah. Uh, but no, so this might yeah, no, well be uh, called... Bertrand Russell, not even once. <laughs> not even once. Not even once. Stay away. You were going to say, Thomas? I was going to say that this, the title may as well be um, Why Futurism is Not Anarchism. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about that. Why isn't it anarchism? Um, uh, well, because he sets up what he thinks anarchism is. Yeah, he... And it's this cosy thing. Yes, exactly. Anarchism is cosy. The distant goal of anarchism, a tender affectionateness, is a sister of cowardice and seems to us a filthy cancer that announces the death throes of a people. So mm. Yeah, and, and that anarchists, moreover, are content with attacking the political, legal, and economic branches, branches of the social tree. We want a great deal more. And that's when we lead into that big list um, uh, of what futurists want. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, so... Uh, there's a there's a beautiful line at the beginning where um, he says that anarchism denies the infinite principle of human evolution and uh, uh, brings its forward-looking viewpoint to a halt in the ideal of universal peace, a stupid paradise of people caressing in open fields or beneath billowing palm trees. Mm. So he's he's totally against this rather. Uh, forgive me, sentimental mm-hmm. uh, idealism here. Uh, or, or n- obviously idealism in terms of a utopian sure, sure, kind sure. of idea you, you, rather yeah. than metaphysical idea. That, mm-hmm. um, which, which, by the way, listeners, Thomas no. Thomas is an idealist. No, I'm not. He's a Berkeley idealist. No, no seriously, he's, he's, he's out Transcendental. of his mind. Transcendental. No, no, <laughs> no, he's out of his mind. Yeah, no. Anyway, continue. <laughs> continue, crazy person. Thank you. Uh, that glowing character. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and he just carries on with, uh, we think that the hypothesis of a friendly merging of peoples is an outmoded idea, or one that can be bettered. And then immediately leads into, do you know what we're going to better it with? War. Yeah. During our Margate trip, I actually showed you a couple of clips from the old Star Trek series, because 
we happened to be talking about random stuff that was relevant at the time. Mm-hmm. And there you have the idea of people getting together and this utopian idea. Marinetti here has this kind of as his idea, even mm-hmm. though that would happen about 50 years later. And he's thinking, oh, I'm going to give you a better one. War. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Giving young little, you know, seven-year-old children guns to... Yeah, that sounds like a brilliant idea. I'm, I'm all for it. No, but, you know, but this is a long-standing opinion of mine that children should have guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's being sarcastic, just in case. Yeah, just in case you didn't <laughs> just get Just in yeah. case. Would you never believe what he said on that podcast. It's <laughs> 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 from his own mouth. <laughs> oh, no, don't take it from him. So, it, is he right that there is a tender affectionateness and that that tender affectionateness is the distant goal of anarchism? Anarchism is very broad. Uh, and so there's invariably going okay, to be... Okay, let's nail it down. Let's, let's nail it down. Something like Houdonian anarchism or like, what is it? Mikhail, the one with the B. Bakunin. Like that. There is that kind of utopian ideal that both share. Yes, no, there, there is something something utopian. It's not quite um, the, I wouldn't say that it's quite the, you know, under billowing yeah. palm trees. Um, but no, I mean, he's got something radically different in mind. He Although just wants violence and, and, and yeah. he doesn't want it's, it's quite funny, intellectual think, overcoming where you're constantly questioning mm. yourself, like um, um, in some sort of like a, like a Kuhnian revolution, a, a paradigm shift in terms of your mind. Right, like, 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 a, kind of Trotsky, like, like a like a like a Copernican change, so like a very very big change. Yeah, there's no paradigm. Completely shift. displaces no. the previous thing. Is that what you mean? Nothing intellectual like yes. that. He's not looking like oh, I'm suddenly seeing the world rather differently. Mm-hmm. He's, I think, he is happy with that kind of thing, but he's also very brute. And I think this is also where he opens himself up to mm. someone like Sam Poir, who can say. The second you're saying things like that and being so deeply in touch with the body yeah. that I can introduce this stuff about um, lust and because she has that whole thing about yeah. the mind and lust. I know that we've been touching a lot on her. No, uh, no, no, uh, but uh, it's uh, essential. Yeah. And, but we also think that she's been a fascinating thinker and hopefully we'll do more on her uh, in, in, in the future. of... Um, it's probably uh, some behind the... Something to do with dance. Yeah. yeah, dance and probably on the Kofi stuff or but, Patreon. But so. before that, I want to continue with something you, you, you just said now. Yeah. Um, it strikes me that Marinetti is proposing and is all for what people tend to accuse anarchists of being. Right? People tend to accuse anarchists of being destructive people who just want to make chaos and break stuff and throw, you know, bricks through windows and make war and destroy society, you know? We want to be free. Free to do what we want to do. And we want to get loaded. And we want to have a good time. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. See, right? so, primal scream loaded for yes, the rest. Yes, exactly, for the rest. Um, but that's what people tend to accuse anarchists of. Like when, yeah. when, when you see some guy on TV and he's a talking head, you know, they tend to say, oh, that's, that's just anarchism. It's not blah, 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 politics or something, 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 whatever. Marinetti's coming at it from the completely other side. He's saying, no, that's, that's what we want. Mm. He's like, no, I'm, I'm a real, I'm a super radical. Yeah. Um, so he's coming at anarchism from the chaotic, I mean, the chaotic right, but from the pure chaos side of it, which, which is 
Well, the fact which, that he which says is exciting. it's only political, exciting. legal, and economic branches of the social tree. He says it's too limited. All of it. Yeah, exactly. He wants so, to change everything. Yeah. So I guess as as a, a, an artist at the time, I'm probably an Italian nationalist at this point. I mean, otherwise, yeah. What am I even doing, right? Am I even alive in the early 20th century? It's 1911, so still early. Still early. No, still early, but you're st- the, the, the fervor is starting to boil. I mean, the First World War's not started yet. No. Oh, we're far away from the second. So. We are, we are, but uh, I think Let's not the invasion of, of Abyssinia was closer, perchance. Anyway, um, if we knew our Italian colonial history, this would sound like a very learned tidbit. You brought it in, friend. Well, I did, Thomas, because, I think, you because, because you're wrong. Because I'll you're let wrong. You wallow in it. No, so that was important. And in any case, uh, yeah, anarchism, more of it, futurism, thumbs up. Well, thank you for that traffic and weather update. <laughs> yeah. I want. I just want to finally nail down on just before we move to the second one. Uh, the revolutionary spirits. This is uh, cutting down mm-hmm. uh, student unions mm-hmm. because he's, he he offers that uh, the problem. He offers a diagnosis. This is your problem. Have you ever uh, have you ever attended a meeting of young revolutionaries, revolutionaries or anarchists? Ah, well, there is no more disheartening spectacle. And he says that there's all this 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 problem that you detect amongst all of them, where they want to give over their power and authority to the oldest amongst them, seemingly the one who is most knowledgeable, and then heed them and let them take command. Mm-hmm. So he detects this deep civility sure. in uh, in anarchists. And in terms of revolutionaries, he actually thinks that... And he's not... That isn't the problem. The big problem then that follows up, or rather that um, uh, uh, exacerbates the problem, is that they, for all their uh, airs and graces, will eventually start to show uh, how... They will show their true colours, where, yeah, do things that benefit me, do things that benefit me the oldest amongst them. Mm. And so he thinks it will be deeply conservative and deeply traditional. Um, and so he says, this is your big problem, anarchist. So this is where he's, he's defined futurism against anarchism. And then he offers what the big problem with anarchism is. And then he thinks, this is what you can do. Instead, pick a president that is the youngest amongst you, the most inexperienced amongst you, and if you need them to have any principles in terms of their direction, in terms of how they control everyone, it will only be that they give everyone uh, uh, an equal chance to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless that's I've true. skipped something else. No, that's, that's about it. Elect the youngest one and the least no, known, the least important, and ensure that his task is limited to true. that of allowing absolutely equal time to all speakers, equality checked with watch in hand. Um, yeah. Now, uh, might as well read the last bit. Yeah, but, but what creates a still deeper gulf between futurism and anarchism is the great problem of love, the great tyranny of sentimentalism and lust, which we want to liberate humanity from. So, uh, briefly on, on the student union stuff before, mm. it's rather ironic that he brings that up since he will then go on to found his little futurist party. And can't I, ima- I can't imagine that was any better. Well, it's very different, the fact that he's in control. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
you know there is there is something that is um, deeply contradictory yes he is suggesting yeah what, who's he going to give it up to the power yeah I mean if he suddenly said I'm going to abdicate as the central voice and a hub of futurism well, he'd it's never, all galvanized he'd never, around he'd me. never do that in fact but if he did who would he give it to himself little Timmy no, he'd the give boy it, downstairs yeah the boy down. no he'd give it to himself to, to little Filippo Little Filippo. Yeah, little Filippo. Um, no, he can't do that. He's too mad for power. In fact, he'll cling to the movement to its very death. That's what he'll but, do. Well, I mean, as a practical yeah. idea, what do you think of that? Like, you know, you say that they're going to shake things up. I, as an idea, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, like, it's not bad. If you it's think, fine. if you've ever, you know, things are a little bit dry and you think, oh gosh, are we, are we revolutionaries and we people who are gathering together trying to breathe some new life into things, are we not stagnating? Mm-hmm. There you go. You've got your prescription. Give your power to the least among you, those who are most inexperienced, who know as little, and they will lead things, and they will just give everyone equal chance to talk. But then they, they will be free to direct it. I guess, they or they, it. or they, they won't, and they'll go mad with power and do terrible things. Or hey, you'll be most energetic be, and brute forceful, right? Or yeah, or they'll be just kind of weak, and then the old guy will still be powerful anyway. I don't know. It's weird that he would put any import to uh, some kind of bureaucratic procedure amongst a group of people. Um, I guess doesn't feel very futurist to me. But moving beyond that, yeah, the thing with uh, anarchism, it's, it's, it's the great problem of love, the great tyranny of sentimentalism and lust. Um, Saint-Point will, will come later and divorce the two, right? Divorce sentimentalism and lust. Yes, um, and that's essential because without lust, you have no drive whatsoever. And I think I wound up kind of agreeing with her. And I think this is a perfect place to move on to the next manifesto. Yeah. So, what were your thoughts of the next one? The like multiplied man, man and the reign of the well, machine. Sorry, yeah, the uh, multiplied man mm-hmm. and the reign of the machine. Um so we had the introduction of the multiplied man in an early one. And we've already been, we ourselves introduced this idea of the hybrid human mm-hmm. um, that we first sort of got from the first manifesto where Marinetti himself arises from the car crash covered in metallic flake and all these fumes and petrol and, mm-hmm. and this, the dirt and the gravel and he's injured and everything. And that seemed to be what he was heading towards. And I thought it was very an evocative image. Right? Yeah. And we both thought that. Um, but now we have it spelled out, uh, or I won't say our ideas are quite synonymous um, or equivalent. Well, no, because the, the, I think the multiplied man, I mean, let, let's just get into it. Yeah. I think the multiplied man, I think he, he means that because as opposed to the reproduced man, like, like as opposed to a man born naturally. Yeah. Right? It's just a man multiplied. Yeah. As, well, if, no, I think as if they were a number. But and he has a weird thing about the multiplied man, right? Where he says this is, that this is really weird. This is a really weird thing. But he he, he says he's, he's he's a weird dude. He says that there are already some sort. Of, I don't know whether they're fully multiplied men, but um, these particular mechanics mm-hmm. who fall in love with their machines and well, think they're, like they're not, you know he gives an not, example yeah. of like the steam uh, steam locomotives that like sure. oh they've got moods and you have to so treat they're, them they're in not the right they're way. not they're not they're not multiplied men they are however I guess the uh, 
the proof that sentimentality, that, that, that woman and beauty, that lust and beauty um, and are, are, are fundamentally united, right? They're the proof that that's no longer true, that uh, the idea of mechanical beauty, you know, that people are starting to feel for their machines, they're starting to care for them and love them in this sexual way. And I say that because... <clears throat> Have you ever observed them washing the huge, powerful body of their locomotive? Theirs are the attentive, knowing endearments of a lover who is caressing a woman he adores. So yeah, how's that for an image? They <laughs> need to get out more. Yeah, big time. This is, this is some weird stuff. <laughs> you know... Um, by all means, but... You know. <laughs> yeah, by all means. What about that person who married a car? <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. There was, yeah. He was called Filippo Tommaso no. Marinetti. Yeah. Um, so if, that, that, if, that, that's if you've ever wondered... To a pub yeah, if you hear about that guy who married a car, <laughs> yeah. did ya? If you've ever wondered, no. um, you know, who who is that complete pervert that fuels... Dirty, Let's keep it back. Let's yeah, keep it serious. Fuels, yeah. uh, you know, dirty pictures of Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, it's F.T. Marinetti, Thomas. That's whom. Oh, gosh. I kept it classy. I there's said two, whom. There's four, there's six, there's eight. All right. <laughs> um, but no, uh, one of the other things I wanted to back on track now, Multiplied Man is... Heyo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <sighs> track. Anyway. Oh. Gosh. So that's the idea we, of mechanical beauty, yeah. Because uh, we need to we need to get back to that. Um, he does suggest that they don't need to be educated. He says that the multiplied uh, 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 man needs no education necessarily. Um, no, they don't need. They don't necessarily need education. So again, um, as this he gives, for this he gives evidence that um, mechanics. Are starting to have this this intimate type of relationship with machines, where they're able to know how they work and you know everything from touch almost. Yeah, I've, and then he has I've this. Then he has this uh, this moment where he says, "No doubt you've heard the." Con is this what you were going to read? Nope. Oh well, then you you first. I was going to say, uh, it is a matter of fact, and you can easily verify it that already today we can increasingly find workers utterly devoid of education and culture who nevertheless possess what I would call great mechanical divination or metallic touch. That is because such workers have already experienced the education of the machine and have, in some way or other, become related to the family of motors. In order to prepare for the formation of the inhuman and mechanical type of multiplied man, it is necessary to drastically reduce the need for affection, a need which is not yet destructible and which man carries in his veins. We need to reduce our need for affection to that low level already achieved by certain 40-year-old bachelors <sighs> who assuage their foolish hearts thirst with the energetic gambles of a frisky poodle. Does Frisky... Is that, is that some d disgusting uh, euphemism? It is, isn't it? Frisky Poodle? Yeah, I bet it is. Oh. It, so this, this kind of reminds me of... Um, of the serious man in... Very well, maybe. I don't know. In I, It has to be. He's not talking about the dog, Thomas. So cle cle clearly, clearly he means that. He does like animals, though. Oh... 
Oh, and to and, the more passionate among Thomas, the young, I would PG. advise. To the more passionate among the young, I would advise developing a love of pets, dogs, cats, horses. For such love offers regular satisfaction. To the that need for affection, which a woman would only exasperate with her capricious whims and feline scent for curiosity. How terrible that he uses feline. He uses feline. Yeah, he's a bastard. This feline scent for curiosity. I mean, he's been praising. A love of animals, and yet he uses this animal language of the feline in terms of something that yeah, yeah, this is what we're replacing actually. Yeah, he's 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 not a very nice person, is he? It's worse Marinetti. than that. It's contradictory. Yeah, he's he undermines himself in the next sentence or in the next line. It's the same sentence. He has the audacity to not even put a full stop. No, and and how dare he? How dare he? And there is there are so many sexual hangups that are just popping up all over the place here. Oh dear. Bizarre, truly bizarre. The whole machine stuff is is pretty weird. I mean, that, that's that's the most romantic he gets. It's in that description of 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 a man gently stroking a locomotive. Ooh. It's, it's bizarre. He's a he's a genuinely weird guy. And I've started to think as as I noticed the importance of lust in um, Saint Point's architectonic, I guess. How glaring it, it like the, the glaring omission in, in Marinetti's work. Without it, I don't, what's, like, why should anyone do anything? It's raw energy, isn't it? For raw energy? Yeah. What, what, is, what does that mean? Like, how, how do you, ch- you know, because raw energy isn't directed, and that's the thing, lust is. But what, what, the way that Sam uses lust, lust is, though... But lust is directed also, energy. Uh, what it, but lust is also fairly broad. Yeah, but, it, but it's... It's desi- more physical. But it's desirous. It's a desirous physical thing, right? But then you're thinking... Profoundly energetic. So you're now using desire uh, to explain lust. Well, lust is a thick concept. Yeah, and desire is a simpler one. And so you're, you can explain lust in terms of desire... Arguably, you can do desire in terms of energy. Arguably, now I don't. I don't know. You can't do desire in terms of energy. Why not? Desire is aimed at something. Energy isn't. But you can have a raw desire as well. That I think, like raw energy, which is, which is just a craving. Raw desire. It can just be craving. I mean, this is that craving. Yeah. Now we're starting to sound like lust. Well, no, no, no. But but again, this is that distinction which we mentioned in the Sampoir. I think it was in the first one, or no, mm-hmm. which was was one of them, um, mm-hmm. when we discussed the distinction between the uh, whether it should be rendered quest, uh, search, or research, as you suggested. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, quests, for the most part, out of all of those, may seem the most directed. Mm-hmm. Search can be more more general. Oh, I'm I'm just sort of looking about. Mm-hmm. You know, just, uh, what, what are you looking for? Oh, you know, just searching for the unknown. Whereas a quest for the unknown seems like you've got a slightly more definite end. Research, again, seems quite open-ended. You can, in many ways, sort of go about it. It's like the distinction between a perfect and an imperfect duty. For all of those, you still are searching or researching or whatever something. But energy is that raw, just explosive thing that is just an outpouring and going out. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's the difference between going towards something and going from. Right. However, I think just the energy, just the, just energy, isn't enough to get you to do anything. 
But the going, if you understand it as something like going from, I'm not saying that that is exactly how you see it, but something like I mean, that, energy is just running. Go it gives run. you direction. But I think, I think it gets you running. I don't think it gets you too much more. But I going from gives you mm-hmm. direction without giving you a definite destination or even like an attempt. It just actually defines itself against what it was moving from. Mm-hmm. Like it's just moving away from the past. Yeah, and I don't think I think even that actually falls short because I don't think you even want to really rebel against the past. I think because he's so full of whim, like he hates the idea of anything that is everlasting. That's his problem with the you know we abjure the symbolist masters. He he doesn't want to produce anything that is everlasting. We want to celebrate. Just you have an idea, you do it. Mm-hmm. Saint is a little bit more. Uh, she also likes the, the kind of a whim, but is a little bit more judicious, as we covered. She's a bit more like, you so, think about it. So you don't think there's any problem without having lust at all in this theory? I think uh, you could sketch together a cohesive whole. Uh, uh, just a cohesive project, mm-hmm. I should say. A cohesive sure. whole is already a little bit tautological. Mm-hmm. Um out of that, and for the dogmatic amongst people, they could they could resemble it. I mean, maybe, but I think it get, gets you something pretty boring compared with the last thing. I think it is more boring. Yeah, it's more I boring. I think it's I think it's a worse project, and I think that project would make you worse art. I don't know what it would do. He's so, moved into the sci-fi. Though. I'm we saying, should, we yeah, have that's something we haven't looked sci-fi. at. He's moving into this. Remember, this is 1911, mm-hmm. and we've got this idea of human beings reproducing. Okay, we mentioned uh, last week about um, uh, uh, Dionysus in uh, Zeus's leg being sewn in the idea. But you know, think about all the sci-fi that's happened in the well, last hundred years. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's lots of ideas. I mean, I don't know, something like uh, Doctor Who, this whole idea of Cybermen or something. I, I don't know. I don't. So th- th- this is the thing. This is the thing. Th- th- this is what I'm, I'm trying to, to articulate mm. um, or to reconcile what to me seems like a obviously a joyless world because he doesn't seem to like that emotion either, um, but a, a sort of deeply unenergetic world that he's describing. You can meet men who go through life almost without love in an atmosphere that is the color of steel. We must ensure that such exemplary men increase in number. These energetic beings have no sweet lover to visit at night, but in the morning they make sure their the, their garage or factory gets off to a perfect perfect start, opening it with amatory scrupulousness. I know. These are it's weird because he doesn't. he seems to say he doesn't want order, and yet, without that lust... All you would have is order. All you would have is like a regimented, effective factory, and that's it. And there is no passion in that at all. It's entirely dispassionate. There's, there's a mechanical future that he wants that is rational and cold and has no need for the type of excitement he so desires. And the past he abjures but yet is really where he's from, is how I see that. And today, people that are, they think they call themselves futurists, but it's just people who like future stuff. Mm. Um, They are more, you know, in the hyper-rational camp uh, that that doesn't really, I mean, I guess they sort of like energy, but 
what they want out of a machine man, you know, some artificial intelligence or whatever, would be the utterly dispassionate, ruthlessly optimizing, right? So I think there's a there's a there's a problem here. Uh, there's a problem between what he's praising and and what what he needs to make real art to make things vibrant and and valuable. Mm. No, I I think you're absolutely right here in terms of he he does seem to pick the worst analogies and in particular that I mean, that's bit so where, depressing. Well, he's got the the idea of the forty year old bachelors, so, and I, that seems rather lame. Um, it's very lame and. The, the, yeah, the whole idea of people getting up in the morning regularly to but this get is the to point. Factory on why? Time to why open would the you doors. do that? Why would you do that? For no, no re- Oh, energy. What? I don't. I, that doesn't. I don't. That's not enough for me. I think. Why? Wh- how are you understanding lust though here? Because remember the way. How does Sampoin think of mm-hmm. lust? Remember so how she thinks of masculine. So Sa- Sampoin tends to think of it in terms of victory, right? As well. Uh, perhaps sort of victory overcoming, so that these men, I guess, the ones that go and do international trade or her whole thing is that uh, whatever uh, they are also is energy. right. Well, they are fueled right? by that. Last is an that energy. That That's the yeah. whole thing. So, if you're going to say that, I think you're ultimately by her standards going to collapse into into this because she herself says that lust is an energy. That's the whole thing. Rather than energy is lust, mm-hmm. it's the other way around. I think. But she gives lust a really important place. It does have a very important place, but still, it's ultimately. But energy. it's almost the prime motivator, though. Kind of. That I'm not sure about. I that I, don't I came know. away feeling feeling that that it was almost the prime motivator. Well, we did for, uh, one of the questions for, for like anything like this for any type of power. Well, thing. F- from that, one of the questions that we left with that was that how would, because some part introduced masculinity and femininity in one manifesto, mm-hmm. and these were very particular, precise ideas for her. And then she also had the body and mind and the carnal uh, and, uh, was it spiritual? Mm-hmm. Um, and how exactly did these all line up? Mm-hmm. Were they equivalent and if they weren't, how did they precisely relate? This is something that we didn't develop, even though we said that we should develop sure. it at some point. Not today. But that is going to, I think, get us into some sort of problem. Mm. Um, no, I, I think that if we're to stay true to her, uh, she does think that actually it is a form of energy. As to whether it's the primary... Well, it's a force. It is a force. It mm-hmm. is a force, yeah. Um, but or, again, force. Call it force then. Force is still not mm-hmm. directed, uh, at least as understands uh, uh, per se. No, I think force is directed. Of what? what? I mean, whatever it's looking at. In or the same things way. are act like forces act on things. Um, so, in a way, it's directed. It directs something. So. With the exhibitors, a battery, the a battery public. isn't direct. Doesn't direct anything. Yeah, but that's because you're thinking of something like electrical energy. But then energy can be like I think isn't energy one of the most diverse words in terms of it, the number of meanings it has? Uh, well, yes. But and they're going to use another one. They're obviously not wanting to stick to one that is is bog standard. It will have some bearing towards our basic intuition of what we mean by energy. 
but then it will be used in their own particular futurist way. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But in any case, we are slowly running out of time. Slowly. Hold on, I would so want to say let's that talk about, about the, the next arts part. expounded. Yeah. It just is it, it's mm-hmm. throwaway this line. It's okay. throwaway, but I think it's it's very interesting. Um we are also convinced that art and literature exercise a critical influence on all social classes, even the most ignorant who drink it in through mysterious infiltrations. Literature can hasten or retard the movement of humanity towards this form of life, liberated from sentimentalism and lust. It's almost throwaway. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't seem to fit neatly in. He kind of added it in there um, immediately after the comments about uh, love of animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's interesting. It's the first time that we've seen why uh, some sort of suggestion as to why he values the arts, besides them being art. Well, no, um, he doesn't value them because they're art. He values them because they inflame the primordial elements and lead you more into the future. Right? I, th- I, I think, I think that's so, his, yeah. That's his, that's his reasoning. But yeah. it, we've never had it quite neatly sp- like, like, uh, spelled out. I think the closer we had to it was, was what, the, the poet's one. point of, like... Um, and the, yeah, the, the poet's purpose. Yeah. yeah, the poet's purpose. But here we have it like more about art generally. And he also addresses, what about what Marinetti? Marinetti, Mr. Marinetti, sir. What about those who don't consume art, who are not interested? Oh, they get it through mysterious infiltration. I know, <laughs> I know. What a line. They get it through yes. mysterious. But the fact that he is, yes, he does think great. that it yeah. somehow does reach them. Mm-hmm. Um and so, therefore, we should watch what I mean, we put in on, our he, art. He has to think it. Otherwise, he's been wasting all his time writing that novel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can't be so cynical, right? No, we have to no, be a little I'm, bit more I'm, I'm not, No, I'm, I'm not that I cynical. I know he absolutely was. I'm, I'm not that, cyn- I'm not that cynical, but he, he is terrible. Yeah. He is terrible. Um, but no, I, I, I take that. But then he has yeah. that specific, uh, specific, uh, specific, specific idea about literature that we can move forward or we can impede our progress. So what, what I am, I, I, I am, one, I do wonder this in the next in the next paragraph. Yeah. In defiance of skeptical determinism, which we must destroy every day, we believe in the usefulness of literary propaganda. What does he mean, skeptic, by skeptical determinism? To be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure. From the on the face of it, my, my initial reaction mm-hmm. is to go when you're faced with something, perhaps even with something like the arts, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily thinking that there is one way to understand it in that sense that it is determined. Mm. That actually you could take several things away from it and therefore the effects that it has are somewhat open ended. I could be wrong about that. I'm I'm not saying that with confidence, but that would be one thing that just springs to mind. Mm. I don't know. Do you want that? Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. Do you want to read the next line where Let's we get it. Don Juan and his oh, comic counterpart? It is the active propaganda that we are conducting in the novel and in plays against the glorious conception of Don Juan and his comic counterpart, the cuckold. These terms should lose all meaning in life, in art, and in the collective imagination. Ridiculing, Ridiculing the cuckold simply contributes to aggrandizing the Don Juan, while aggrandizing the Don Juan simply makes the cuckold more ridiculous. Emancipating ourselves from these two themes, we shall free ourselves from the great morbid phenomenon of jealousy, which is nothing other than a product of Don Juanesque vanity. 
That's so kind of great. Yeah. Kill the it's, bug. It's kind of great that he hates both of those figures. Yeah. Because you would think, you would think that he would want everyone to be not Don not Juan. no well not a Don Juan because Don Juan actually has sex with human females and not with machines like, locomotives right which yeah. is what Marinetti really gets going on about. Um, but you you think he'd be in, into into the victory of Don Juan as opposed to the cuckold who would surely be the worst. Um, but who knows? Maybe he maybe seems to treat both with equal contempt, with, almost. Exactly. Although he does, he does have a weird wording. Who right? knows? Maybe he contributes was, to yeah. aggrandizing Don Juan. So he does think that you're naturally predisposed to thinking that Don Juan is the one to be aggrandized, whereas the cuckold yeah. is to be made ridiculous, and that celebrating Don Juan only makes the cuckold more ridiculous. But is it clear that oh yeah no well celebrating the cuckold makes Don Juan ridiculous? Probably mm. not. Probably not. Well, it, but it, he seems to hate both. It would if you do it enough, I guess, right? Maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know whether it, it Marinetti would, it, has it, that kind of it psychology. Would if, it would if you do it enough? I think. I don't know if his psychology is that plastic. I don't. I probably what do you, not. Th- what do you think it is? Wooden. <sighs> Maybe slate. Well, I was, I was, did you like that one? Yeah. Okay. No. No. I didn't. No, 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 of not. So. Yeah, I, I, I do like that. I do like that he hates both of these terms, terms mm. that have become so, I mean, not Don Juan, but definitely cuckold, have become so, like, unfortunately prolific in uh, today's depressing political speech. Yes. Wait until about two years' time when suddenly it's gone out of fashion and everyone's thinking, oh, gosh, people are still talking about that, are they? I mean, it, it, it has gone out of fashion. about it in 1911. Mm-hmm. It is an awful word. Yeah. Um, then I think that's all right. And then there's finally, he mentions uh, free love. Um, he's not keen on free love, but only likes it insofar as it destroys the family. Yeah, I mean, of course he's not keen on free love. It, again, has to do with other people besides himself and the machine. Um, yeah, see, that th- th- this, this is the weird part. This is really not interesting to me, or particularly, even as a young artist of the time, yeah. this wouldn't get me anywhere. This wouldn't get me anywhere. No, I, sim- I sympathize. Because I think, I think normal people do, do, do want some form of communion with the other, you know? He's not against um, this is terribly... a, 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 a kind of radical uh, friendship. He's not against uh, uh, lots of these ideal thinkers getting together. He likes that kind of community, this yeah. kind of camaraderie. He's, he's keen on that. No, I he know, does he, explicitly he's... say that. Um, where is it? I've got it here. Um, we affirm within ourselves the existence of an intellectual solidarity, which is absolutely a uh, new discovery among the Latin peoples. I'm referring know. to the spiritual friendship yep. that brings together rebellious and innovative minds. Exactly. There we go. The next mm-hmm. line. So he yeah, is but keen that's on not, that. But that's not what you want as a young artist. You don't want a spiritual friendship. I don't necessarily. Know. This is him, I think, uh, building on uh, that criticism of... The problems with um, the student union kind of getting together, that, that kind of thing. He's building on top of that and saying they were wrong because they're thinking about billowing under palm trees, uh, under, getting under billowing palm trees yeah, and things like true, that. But, I mean, Here, we've just got the solidarity and we've got this idea of the slap and the punching fist. Although it's funny, this one, this whole, this whole manifesto, maybe it's because it's late. No, but I, this, one, this one feels, feels kind of stuffy. This feels stuffy and conservative to me. This doesn't have the yeah. the liberating, ravenous energy of the previous ones. 
I think it does have some because like Saint-Pointe nice is, is so energetic and forceful and great but here it's oh. yes force and energy but not not like that careful stay away from that kind of energy look here clean your train set kids it's <sighs> lame this is lame this one's lame I mean I, uh, we both agreed that this yeah. uh, manifesto on last is our favorite one it's great apart from perhaps the first one. Oh, the first one's so great. So those two are our favourites. So uh, it, might be the ca- it might be the case that because we've had these great, these great peaks, anything that doesn't quite hit, we're a bit like, eh. No, but because in, in others are, are permissive. Yeah. This one isn't. This one isn't permissive. I, th- I think it still has some interesting this is, ideas. This one, is, so. this one is about pushing you and channeling you into a specific place. It has interesting ideas, I think, but... It doesn't get me. Uh, as I mean, much, he, he you know? constantly drives home this idea once uh, of uh, like rejection of the family. He does want mm-hmm. to break, it, uh, t- and so does Sampoin. She hates that idea of a family as well. She mm-hmm. says, "Let your husbands be promiscuous. Don't you do not own your children." Sure. She's. I mean, she seems to go away from it almost immediately with the year after. I don't know how radically she breaks with it. I hope. We will find out more because we're both so fascinated too. with her work. But um, in this one, I think there are two things that we will want to mention before mm-hmm. we slowly start to tie up. The multiplied man of whom we dream will preserve his genital power until death, as one does one's stomach, and will never know the tragedy of old age and impotence. Wow. So, okay, you've got that first part there, which is the genital power <laughs> like a stomach, which yeah. seems odd. What is he preserving it for, this, this kind of chaste, this chaste behavior? Um, but then, and we'll never know the tragedy of old age and impotence. I mean, is that impotence in terms of um, uh, uh, genital impotence? Or is that just this general idea of withering away with age? I mean, we were I asking... I think, it's, I think it's both. Yeah. We were asking earlier sure. on in, the, in our early weeks, what is his problem with, with old age? I was arguing that right, from why, the idea of energy, yeah. you could imagine someone who is of some years and is still going with that drive and passion and great force and could over topple uh, people who are much younger. And although, that seems perfectly fine. Although they will eventually decline. And the decline starts early. Well, I don't once know. Once you're past it's... middle age, downhill, downhill... That's what they say about mathematicians as well. You have a very short little period of time. I mean, Thomas Hobbes publishes Leviathan in his 60s. Russell's still publishing things in his 90s. Yes, but Plenty of people are finished by the time before they're even 20. I mean, this is true. But again, you know, Russell probably should have stopped publishing much sooner. Probably when he was like 15 or 16 years old, he could have just (laughs) packed it up. But uh, but the the, the point is... No, your point point is taken. I I think this is how he would react. I think this is what he would say. Mm. Um... There'd be something about the relentlessness of competition, kind of like the Olympics. You know, you don't see a lot of old people in the Olympics. I think Marinetti would 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 say point to the Olympics as his model of what happens to the elderly. And yet, he's still so keen on this idea of the human being moving beyond themselves and moving forward. You know, robbing this kind of uh, 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 particular interpretation of Nietzsche. Yes, but I think you, you best be careful into uh, to slip into thinking that futurism is life affirming. I'd be wary. I'm wary of it. I think. I think that's why. Surprise, in in a hideous and bloody way, yes. which we covered, which yes, is true. very violent and. That's true, but 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 you need the lust for that. Yeah. You need the lust for that kind of gross uh, life affirm, affirming yeah. thing. 
But otherwise, for for Marinetti, it's it's not. I mean, he how how is it? it old age is death. So I mean, I I, I say yeah. this without yeah. too much evidence. Right. You can you know I'm going to put this forward, mm. and you can easily uh, knock it continue, down. Continue, continue. But I think this is where my I don't know. I just have this gut feeling that there's something about that, and we'll never know the tragedy of old age and impotence. Mm. If it does have that double meaning, where yes. impotence is this general decline in terms of our faculties, uh, and that he describes it as a tragedy of old age, I think mm-hmm. this is something that seems out of nowhere. It's not quite. It's not latent in his work. It's mm-hmm. uh, constantly driving this thing about the family, constantly mm-hmm. driving all these other ideas home. Suddenly, we have here. In relation to the multiply man, the tragedy of old age and mm. impotence. I think that this is where you kind of get this existential element where he looks at the human being and there is some sort of feeling towards it, the human being and the human mm. condition that there is something yeah. a little bit rough about and tragic and, aging yeah. and about the decline. It's not him going at it from this uh, a more radical perspective, but him almost railing against you know is hurling his defiance at the stars kind of if i can rob that sure um oh i think more than hurling he's he's chucking it at the stars yeah um because it is just out of nowhere and i think this is where you get perhaps this is this is a a a a dent in his otherwise quite strong and it's always going out there this this robust armor Mm -hmm. that here you see this little this little chink where yeah he is aware of the human condition and there's something about the fact that we will die and that we will age. And it makes him sad. I think so. I could be yeah. totally wrong. I say this and it's easy to knock no, down. No, no, let's... But I feel that there's no, something to that. And I feel that this is also the thing yeah. with the love thing that I don't actually... I there's think so, there's something, there's there something empty. Something there's something weirdly empty about this That he this might one. have been a little bit unlucky um, in romantic entanglements. I'm not going to say, who hurt you, man? I'm not going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But... As I said, I mean, the man I'm was a fascist. It, he doesn't yeah. deserve your quarter. Yeah. But I'm putting this forward. I'm not going to try to defend it too strongly. You can knock it down very easily. Mm. But that is my hunch. Mm, interesting. Um, and I think that that I think that there is something to be made of it. I think yeah. in terms no, of I, it being I, added I in here, and also if you relate it to that first one, I where agree. you get this strange kind of rebellious. And why does he shout at the stars? Is it? It's difficult to tell because he's so inconsistent with his imagery and with his statements. A lot of the time, he does just seem sensationalist. Yes. But not always. And uh, just to finish off, shall we say, it is precisely with this revolver that we gaily take aim at the great romantic moonlight. Mm. The so. last the last image. Mm. The last consistent thread. Mm. Aren't you glad that we stuck with the, the, with the moonlight episode? Yeah. Very important. Yeah, so we nearly important missed that. We, that. we nearly missed it. But this... Uh, this is time to end this episode. Mm. Uh, as always, follow us on all the social medias at Manifesto Image on Twitter, the Manifest Image podcast, podcast on Instagram. Instagram, and our email, our email, and, and our Kofi, we have a Kofi our page. Kofi page. Look up the Kofi page for giving us money. And uh, if you want to uh, keep us going, obviously, since you're listening to this deep at night, trying to get to sleep, uh, sleep well. Wish them good night, Thomas. Come on. We wish you a very good night. And a happy new year.